What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is the one and only Jonathan Wayne Freeman. This is the second time on the show. First time was episode 124, and it is still the most listened to episode. I have a lot of respect for John because he accepts who he was yesterday, challenges himself today with grace, and expects the version of himself tomorrow to continue to become a version that will best serve the world around him. In this episode, we talk about fear, sobriety, laughter, and so much more. Enjoy my friend, John. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm super pumped to be hanging out once again with Jonathan Wayne Freeman. Jonathan, what's up, bro? So happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on again. It was a blast last time. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, man, I've been looking forward to it. So we're at episode like 250 almost or something like this. And the episode I did with you last was episode 124, which I might add is the most listened to podcast episode that I have done. Oh my goodness. that That's insane. That's that stokes me out. That's so rad. Thank you, everybody, for listening. That that means a lot. Yeah. That's rad. Dude, it's yeah, so cool. So um I re-listened to our first episode last night while I was working out. And uh I like even there again, I said, like, I just thought, dude, you sound like you met a famous star. You sound like such a little skis in the first like 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> oh my God. I'm listening to it. So embarrassed uh, going, Oh my gosh. Anyways, bro, it was pretty funny to listen to. There were still amazing nuggets, obviously great, but it was just funny to hear myself two years ago uh, in our interaction. I thought you were very professional. That's the word <laughs> I would use. Very professional, a pro. That's how uh, I felt comfortable to open up to you, man. It was it was a good. It was a good. Uh, you did a great job. It was awesome. Oh uh, well, I had a great time. I think it was the fifteen minutes of me getting over it. Um, okay, so here's what I was thinking. I wrote down six words. And I'm going to read these words to you. And over the course of the next 50 minutes or so, we are going to touch every single one of these words. Okay, so you ready? I've got laughter, fear, comfort, tacos, booze, and authenticity. <laughs> all, all good words. All so very, let's see. A lot to say about those things. <laughs> so let's see if we could touch these things. So right off the bat, it has been two years. And in that last episode, something you said to me that I had written down and has been in my mind. And as I heard it last night, I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to lose this. You said all the rewards are on the other side of fear. Now that may be something you heard from somebody or you got it somewhere. But my question is when you hear those words two years later, 
what does your life look like now? Or what does that mean to you now hearing, you know, JWF saying that two years ago and, and, and coming to it now, what has that done for your life? It's completely changed my life. I was at the point when I was talking to you last time where I really wanted to push forward and try to be my own boss and do my own thing and, and try to make a living, <laughs> not even knowing how I was going to do it, but having some idea that I could represent different brands and have fun and kind of be myself, basically get paid to be myself and be creative, but hmm. scared to death of insurance. You know, I two little kids and it's a big step because again, that's, that's how they get you in the nine to five. You get just enough. Right. You can buy some nice things. You have good benefits and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, always going to those jobs was like, okay, I got to talk to the guy. I got to live with the guy because I'm a paramedic for the next 24, 48 hours who I don't really get along with, but we're going to pretend we get along for the sake of we have to live together. I got supervisors that I'm just going, oh, oh. So you pretend to be this other person at work so you can come home and mm -hmm. enjoy your family. But I would carry that with me when I came home. I carry work with me in that same mindset, just going, oh, I had to go to an HR meeting today and listen to the boss tell some dumb joke. And everyone goes, ha, like he's a funny guy. <laughs> and you're just like, we're all laughing. This dude sucks. Come on. So that fear of jumping, I knew like, I knew it in, just intuitively that let's see what happens. Had to encourage my wife and it just made sense, you know, that let's just go for it. Why not? One life. And it turns out, yes, all of that was true. I read that years ago in a book and it always stayed with me. That fear of jumping off and going into the unknown made me so happy because I was free mm. to, to work how I want to work, live how I want to live, surf when I want to surf, golf when I want to golf. And I'm happier. Wife's happier. Kids are happier. Dad's not tired all the time. Um, and I've been pulling it off. It's an amazing feat. I have no idea. But now it's it's the hustle. It's the grind to keep it going. But it doesn't really feel like that because there's so many avenues to sell things or meet other people who give you opportunities. I just think we live in the golden age of working for yourself. And then it turns out during COVID, so many people are working from home now anyways. It's sort of what people are doing. So I have to tell myself that all the time, push past the fear, step out into it and go, because that is the one singular thing I can point to is getting started. And so many people don't get started. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, the use of an, uh, the, I, the value in an idea lies in its use. I have ideas. You have ideas. Uh, if we don't throw it out, yeah. we never know what's going to happen. So you you go for it, even though there's all these little little things telling you no. But I just want to. So three go questions from that. Yeah, three mm -hmm. questions from that. One is, at what point did you go? Okay, I'm ready, right? Because a lot of us are like, ah, once I get here, then I'm going to do that. Um, so at what point were you like, I'm just pulling the plug. I'm, I'm quitting my job today. What was that last straw 
that made you do the jump? Was it I, I had a certain massive income that was coming somewhere else or what did that look like? It was really the, the money on paper. It was showing it to my wife and going, looky here, what's what we're making a month here and what I'm making a month here. And I'm miserable at this place. So can we just go for it? But it was really, it wasn't my choice. It's a team, this relationship, yeah, this marriage. And so the two of us and me constantly being a baby, coming home, bitching from work, going, oh, I can't, I can't take this anymore. Like I'll keep doing it for the family, but I would really love to try this other thing and let's see what happens. So it was really getting her on board, not making some command decision, but us coming together and God bless her for being willing to risk and take that chance. So at a certain point, it was just like, we, we both agree we're going to take this jump. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, yeah. So then it's been a couple of years and you just told me that you still have to remind yourself some things. So is the fear still there? And then what do you do to combat that fear? Movement, momentum. I think uh, yeah, I have, bro. I have one thing in me. I've got a couple things. One of them is I have a good engine. Like I'll just keep going and going and going, throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what sticks. And I have to keep moving. So when you get sad and you get lost in that fear or you're stagnating on your work, you got to just like go, no, man, like I'm a, I'm 42. I'm not ancient. I got energy. I got kids. I'm happy. And you just channel that energy into creativity. And I think it just, it starts to come out. And then I stopped thinking less about, oh, is, am I going to make the same amount I did this month as I did last month? Because I'm just busy. And then all of a sudden you're like, damn it, pulled it off again. Huh? Well, so go. yeah, bro. What I hear is when you say movement, it's not put your head down and keep digging the ditch in the sense of it's mindless. You are, you're saying, okay, I, what's the next best decision? Go for it. And then the next day you might be like, ah, that decision was shit. And then you make another decision and then you go. So it's this constant, like, okay, what's the next best thing? And then just go after it. Yeah. So you have to be completely honest with yourself, which is the hardest uh, part. But she's there to check me and be like, you're not doing it the right way. You're either being lazy. You, you, you talk and say you can do this, that. Do it. Show me. Show me. So I need somebody there. And that's my mm, wife mm. to push me and to keep me going. Because again, idle hands are the devil's playground. And that's more true in my case. Oh. Like I, I, I'm sure it's true in a lot of people's case, but for me, that structure of a, a workplace to go to and all these rules you have to follow, that's good in one sense for some people. And it probably provided some structure for me. Like you got to be here at this time, blah, blah, blah. So my whole thing was getting organized, getting rest. And if you sit down in front of this computer to write something or do something, Maybe you go through phases and nine times out of 10, it's, it's nothing good. But then there's the aha moments where you go, oh, this is great stuff. And or I have a good idea. I can present it to someone I know. And yeah, just keep men- momentum moving forward. Mm, I love that. Intentionally moving forward. So as we think about this with, with other dudes, 
So if we think about men, a lot of men living in fear, not just for their job, but maybe in their marriage, maybe in their relationship with their kids, lots of areas, right, that men live in fear. They doubt themselves, and then maybe they don't have a spouse right now that believes in them just because they've been consistently, you know, passive. What would you say to those dudes to help them get out of that place of fear and, and start taking some movement? I know quite a few people, men in particular, that are very talented, have skill sets, but they've never, ever attempted anything outside of what they're doing. And they may just feel like I'm throwing in the towel. I'm too old. It's over. It's not. This is Mm -hmm. the golden age of doing things. So you start as a side hustle. You start doing something while you're going to work. That's what I did. I... I worked on the ambulance for two and a half years until I got to a place after I went back to working on the ambulance after working on the ambulance while I was building this thing. And that brings you this satisfaction, your side hustle where you're like, Ooh, it's, it's filling that creative void. You feel like you're doing something. You're going, I'm not too old. I am starting to push towards my dream and I can see it coming closer and closer and closer until it does. And then you just keep going. It really is a game. I always heard that term and I didn't like it. It's a, life can be like a game. It can be like a game. Um, but self-esteem is a big issue. A lot of these guys just at some point, somebody got it in their head that they weren't smart enough, weren't funny enough, didn't have a good work ethic, weren't this, that. So they're comfortable where they're at. They make just enough. They provide for their family, which is all wonderful. But I strongly feel that if there's something in your soul, something in your heart that you cannot stop thinking about, there's a reason. This is your sense of purpose and you're supposed to, you won't know all the pieces. Like, why do I feel this way? I can't stop thinking about this thing that I love, that I want to do. Start heading towards that and watch what happens because you just don't know. And again, life is so short. It's one life. You want to look back on your life and go, I never took a chance. I never took a risk. I never took a shot. I don't. I definitely don't. I don't want to be at the end and go, dude, I I left a bunch of stuff on the table. I had these talents that I thought may be. Well, guess what? If you're thinking you're a writer, if you're thinking you're a salesman, if you're thinking you're an inventor, you probably are. Yeah, I love that. I love that statement. So if a dude is where he wants to be, his job is locked in, he's stoked on that, but there's still fear about entering deeper into his marriage or entering deeper into his relationship with his kids. Why do you think dudes are hung up or stuck or not digging into that? And then what can they do in that aspect to overcome their fear of, Like, okay, my wife thinks I'm a bit of a douche, but I'm going to enter in and I'm going to make this rad. Or I don't have a great relationship with my kids. I'm afraid that they'll reject me. How am I going to, how am I going to fight for this? So like, I like your ideas around momentum, keep moving, but why are they stuck? I think you're for, I can only speak for myself and I, to be a better father, to be a better husband I needed to be doing what I love doing. And the fact that I wasn't really bothered me and made me a very unhappy person, which made me hard to be around, which 
made me lost in my head thinking about myself all the time, trying to figure Mm. out this puzzle of like, yeah, I got great kids. I got a great wife, but why am I unhappy? And then I went, you're not doing what you want to do. So the second I started heading towards that, started cleaning up my lifestyle, a lot of lifestyle cleanup, to be honest, I, I, I went, this is a blessing. This is a joy. I got these kids here for a minute in my life at this age, and I'm not the best version of myself. So once I started loving myself, which sounds so silly, mm. you always hear that. I never thought that like, I definitely, if you talk to my wife, she'll be like, this guy thinks about himself so much, which is true. I think <laughs> it's true with a lot of men, but like truly loving yourself is taking care of yourself. And once I started to do that and manage, have the stress level go much lower, I felt so much better. And then happiness came in when stress, the bad stress went away. The good stress came in of like, okay, Mm. it's on me. This is, this is fun. And I can use my abilities to provide for my family in the way that I see fit, as opposed to making somebody else money and being unhappy. So this leads me to the third word or the second word I think that I can bring up is you said this, you, you said that you've been asking yourself, why am I unhappy? Mm-hmm. And I think like you said a little bit ago is where we can get trapped in this nine to five because I can get an iPhone or I can get a flat screen TV, or I could get a Traeger, or I could get all these bullshit items that make me comfortable. So that's word number two. They make me comfortable. So I'm I'm still like, why am I not happy? I went and bought the Traeger. I, I cooked this meat, and now I still am unhappy. So it sounds like once you said, I started loving myself, got out of the comfort of those false comforts. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Think about that. I think it all it all is very temporary. We all know this. We've all got something that we get and we like it immediately for a little bit. Then it wears off. Then you get something else, and you get stuck in the consumerism trap, which is what this is like. This rat race and all these things. You know, to what's the end goal of that? Like, I don't know. I like putting food on the table. I like all of that. I like stuff too, but. It doesn't do that much for me. I It doesn't satisfy that intrinsic need in your soul that's like, I got to be doing what I love doing. And you do it. And, and trust me, I went through, I trained really hard to be a paramedic. I went down this whole route and worked really hard to try to get into a place that I thought I could be in because of the good job, the good pay, the retirement. And then I realized I'm terrible at this. Like, Mm. and the second I stopped forcing, like trying to bang the door down at something that I stunk at, then all of a sudden, surprise, surprise, I had a weight lift off my shoulders and I felt better about myself and I felt better about the direction I was headed. I was like, at least, even, even if you're going to make a little less money and you're going to have to cut corners, like the sense of peace of like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I don't know which way it's going, but guess what? I can hear my way around at this point. I've been around long Mm. enough where I can figure it out. Like I'm not that dumb. You know, I can, I can put it together. I'm smart. I'm going to take care of myself. 
that's, I, I don't know. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, it does. So since you've made this transition the last you know year and a half or two in, in leaving the nine to five, doing your own thing, what has your relationship with your sons, how has that changed? It's changed a ton. Um, one of your words that you brought up that we're going to talk about is probably the main thing that has changed everything. But the free time. I mean, bring it up. I'm just trying to bring them up. I mean, as, as I, they they, come. You, so I think you said, did you say booze? Was booze? I said booze, yeah. Booze. <laughs> I was a boozy, boozy, boozy man. Like, I, I just got locked into that habit of alcohol for so long. Not to the point where I was like, gonna destroy my life or my family, but I could definitely picture that. I could see that somewhere in the distance. So eliminating that opened up this incredible relationship with my kids where I realized I was present this whole time. I was there, but I barely knew these little fellas, which is ridiculous. Mm. Like, and now you're, oh my gosh, his personality, how he thinks, all of these things because I was thinking about myself, drinking is very self-centered. You want to get blotto so you can not think and forget about <laughs> your job and your that you're not living the way you want to and all that. But what happened was fascinating. Once I eliminated that, things became crystal clear. And I felt exactly like the person I was when I was 17 and I first drank some booze. Like It felt like a fresh brain, which duh, it's... You're not putting chemicals in your body that alter your brain and every organ in you. You're going to feel different. So once I got a baseline, all of a sudden, oh, I'm not getting as many fights with my wife. I'm keeping my mouth shut when I normally would, would say something back that would turn into <laughs> sometimes <laughs> a week-long disaster. So that that was really the big thing. Like I lost 30 pounds just keep moving, man, walking, doing all of that stuff, eating better food. I just needed to see where, where I could go, what I could feel, what I could be if I was actually a healthy person. And turns out it's, <laughs> it's all good. No downside, no downside, none. So two questions, um, just as dudes are listening and, and, and like I, I drink on occasion, um, <clears throat> but at, what was the determining factor to go, okay, I'm going to cut this out and, and just not really make this a, a part of my life. What, was there a determining factor on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you, it was hanging out with friends, hanging out with the guys. And I just, and this was not the first time this has happened, but I came home just wasted, blacked out. My wife woke me up in my bed and I pissed it. And I came up like angry, upset, yelling. And I went, who is this person? Like, this is mm. not the happy kid that I, I was. This is somebody else. And this is un unacceptable. Like, my kids do not deserve to see a dude that's like that. You know, even if it, it was social and it, it was this and that, like, every now and then. The truth was... It, it was becoming a problem. Like, you know, every single night, IPAs, whatever, vodka, whiskey, anything I could get my hands on. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? You're not even, you had a good childhood. I don't have a ton of trauma in my life. So it was basically 
these kids, they're nine and seven now. I'm like, they're not going to witness this stage of their life when they're becoming young men, their dad being a pile. It's just Mm -hmm. not going to set them up for success. It's just, it's, there's no good places can go. And so, and I realized it was so selfish, so selfish, dude. Like Mm. just party boy, man. That's all it was. So then how did, so, so two thoughts, how did that change party boy, like showing up and having a great time with all your friends? So two parts of this question, one, the fear of like, oh man, I'm going to say, no, I don't drink. Oh, you know, to, uh, am I still going to have a good time? Yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? Especially laughter. That was another word. Like Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, well, this is part of what makes you funny. This is who you are. People want to hang out with you because you're two beer John, three beer John, and you're 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 killing it. You're having fun. You're making people laugh. Will will I be as creative? All of that stuff that was all in my head, but it's all a lie. And the truth is, I'm telling you this honestly. Most people do not care, and the ones that do say stuff, you're immediately like. Are, are are we even friends? Is this like, <laughs> like you're watching, you've been watching me destroy myself for two decades and you're like, you want to keep this train rolling. And they're, they're like, well, you know, I would like someone to join me in my adventures, but I just was like, I can still join you, man, but this just isn't going to be a part of it. And it really, it's been nice for me. It's not the social thing. It was never a, the social lubricant that brought me to the party in the first place. Cause I was already social for me. I just enjoyed the altered thinking, all of that. Yeah. And I just went, you know what? You're a weird enough guy. You can figure out how to do this either with exercise, with cold, with heat, with something else, meditation, like figure it out, dude. You're, you're just taking years off your life. Mm. Ah, love it, man. And I know you've talked to, you know, talked quite a bit about this, um, the past or, you know, two years almost since it's been, uh, how long has it been? It's been almost 10 months. Oh, it has been 10 months. It has been 10 months. Yep. 10 months. So 10 Mm -hmm. months. Yeah. So I know you talk about it a lot and you're a huge encouragement to people. Um, which is, which is fantastic. Thank you for that. Cause it's so important. Is there any one or two people who on your journey were really helpful? Yeah, this is, this is the funny thing. The fatherhood podcast, like I did not listen to my dad. My dad does not drink. He never has the one thing, <laughs> the one thing he was always hammering home was don't start drinking. But I think of it now and I'm like, he knew his little boy. He's watched me grow up. He right. he knows the damage alcohol can cause. He knows other members of the family that I was not aware of. He would watch me and like this kid is he's wild enough as it is. He's got enough energy as it is. You so know? let me ask this, dude, because you have a good relationship with your dad, right? Mm-hmm. How was he towards you the past two decades knowing that you're doing this thing that he doesn't do? How did he act around you? I never, I made it a point. I only drank one time around him at a golf. Oh, really? At a golf event. Yeah. I would never do it around him, but he never, he knew what was going on. My mom did too, but they were consistent 
consistently loving, consistently kind, consistently would share how they felt, but not in a, in a aggressive way, very much Mm. just like, you know who you are. You can do this. Like you don't need that. Um, You're, you're, you're somebody who, who can exist without this in your life. Very loving, very, Sweet. So your dad didn't allow it to be a barrier between the two of you. Never, never. See, and I, I think that's just super critical to point out, right? Like you're 42, your dad's what's 60, 70, just turned 70. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 70. And I just think of us as you and me as dads, you know, I'm such an idealist and I make everything so intentional all the time. Like I had to apologize to my daughter this morning for saying something to her yesterday because I'm constantly saying things. And I think that sometimes it puts a barrier between us because I'm like, Hey, why are you bringing your phone on the beach? Your cousins are here. You know, it's like, instead of saying, Hey, I haven't seen you at school. You've been in school all day. And I didn't first just give her a hug and say hi and connect. So I think as fathers, like what, a how incredible for your dad to not yeah. let that be a barrier. Although he didn't probably like seeing that as a point. no, he didn't like it. But that being said, the point is the person, the people closest to me, I did not listen to. What got me was real people sharing real stories, not judge judging, not telling me yeah. you better stop this, but just going, this is uh, this is what worked for me, and this is who I was, and I, I honestly didn't believe people could change. I, I had that like. I was fascinated by it. Can people really change? And then you find out that that's what people talk about when they say a miracle occurred. A person who was one way is now completely different. And people go, oh my goodness, how did that happen? That's the miracle. And for me, the thought that kept repeatedly going in my head for decades was, what could you be if you removed this one thing from your life? If, if you just took one thing, I bet it would affect 100, 500, 1,000 other things for the positive. So doing the math in my head, I was just like, for me, this has got to go. And my wife's not – she I don't think she fully even understood it. She's like, why can't you just drink a beer like or half a beer like a normal person? I was like, because I want to rage. I want to I dive deep, you know? Yeah, whatever you get into, you're going to get into with your whole being. Correct. Whether that's positive or negative. And Correct. and that's that's the entrepreneur creative, right? Um, and now that you're putting that same energy into something else, it's like, one, you're clear-headed doing it, and two, you're thriving at it. So in this transition of of leaving a job, pursuing a dream – getting rid of booze from your life. Like a lot has happened this last year and a half. Has your perspective of what it means to be a man changed? (laughs) Absolutely. I wasn't, I, in my opinion, I was not being a responsible man for me. I know drinking is a huge part of our culture. It's a huge part of men's lives. But for me personally, it was causing so much just chaos that didn't need to be there in any way, shape or form because dad wants to behave a certain way. So my family's suffering for that. It was, I mean, that that's sad and that's heartbreaking. And, and so then with, what does it mean to be a man? 
So, so you go, okay, let's cut that out. If, if, you know, booze is a big part of our culture, yeah. you know, wh- whatever, not just the booze piece, not just the work piece, right? Those are two huge pieces of us is our work and like the things that I like as a man. Right. What does it mean to be a man? To be the best, about all the, yeah. the best version of yourself straight up. Like, I, I think that is a hundred percent what it is. I mean, people don't talk about this kind of stuff. You think you're the best version of yourself. If you're making X amount of dollars a year and you're taking care of your kids and you have why a, a, a wife that's apparently happy, but who knows, you know, to me it's responsibility for them. And that means being the best version of yourself, whatever that is, that's different for every single person. But what you're giving most days, I can tell myself at work, I was given like 20%, 30% of what I was capable yes. of. I was just yeah, clocking yeah, yeah. in and clocking out going, you know, what am I doing here? And that that in turn just made me feel bummed and like the, the time's just ticking away and I'm not doing anything. But the second I was like, clean up my act, clean up my house, all of a sudden – life was much more enjoyable. Dude, something you said a little bit ago when we talked about why am I unhappy and you said you started loving yourself. I think we hear this be the best version of yourself, which I agree with and I'm on mm-hmm. the pursuit of. And and I, But I've made that decision. Like Ned is growing. Ned is very intentional about my trajectory. And I would suspect that dudes listening to this aren't listening to this just because they're pissed at because they're trying. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if the question when you're like, well, what is the best version of myself? And it goes back to the, do I like myself? Like if I look at myself in the morning with my kids or at work or when I'm out to dinner with my wife or when I am, do I like myself? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then you're not operating as who Ned or John were meant to be. 100%. And if you can find yourself getting to that place where Mm -hmm. you're taking care of yourself and you're loving yourself, You'll, you'll find that it's a beautiful thing. I cannot tell you, I, like your podcast when I did it the first time, it was ironic because I was saying so many things and I had a lot of stuff I needed to clean up in my own household. Like I'm, I'm spouting off about other parents and all this stuff. And now, you know, you tend to realize everyone's going through stuff. Be a little mm-hmm. kinder, be a little bit more compassionate, um, you know, because everyone's working through stuff. It's just a, it's just a fact. There's no other way around it. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So let's go back to laughter. So how is the laughter change in your life? So think about laughter in the, in the sense of one, you have your social media, you know, you're being yourself. So you, what's your laughter look like? And then what's your laughter look like with your wife and then with your kids? Cause those are more private, right? So right. like I adore when I can have my wife cracking up in our room. Um, I love it. I love to make her laugh other, <laughs> other than, other than when something awkward happens during fancy time and then she starts la- laughing very hard to get back into the groove but uh, you're laughing we, at me are we laughing together I'm like, what are, yeah are we laughing together right now because uh <laughs> yeah dude laughter so talk is, to me about laughter in your life 
It's the best. First off, what's better than hearing our kids laugh and you know it's mm. pure and it's real. It's the best sound in the world. I get maybe two real laughs a year from my wife. That's what I, I honestly, there's a lot of like, uh, like heard it, dumb <laughs> joke. But when I get those real ones, man, it's yeah. the best. But mostly the past, you know, since we talked last, all the laughter has been about what a pile I used to be. And I go, yes, I agree. Like, oh, you're, you, you, you did the dishes. You, you did this. You thought about me instead of yourself. You filled the, the tank up. You picked the kids up. You did something you didn't have to be told to do. So we, we get a lot of laughter from that because I'm just doing what I guess any dad is supposed to do as a father. Now that I'm doing it, things are going much better and there's a lot more laughter in the house. But it sounds like you're doing those things not out of a, okay, a dis, see, I think there's a difference and I'm, I think I'm just realizing this cause I'm pretty dang selfish, mm-hmm. but like, okay, I'm going to do the dishes for five days and see if anybody notices or anybody cares, right. which is kind of like a disciplined asshole. Whereas <laughs> I'm going to do the dishes because I love my wife and kids. Everyone's tired. I'm going to do this because I'm grateful. Huge so I difference. think operating out mm-hmm. of gratitude or discipline. Yeah, it's a huge difference. And I mean, I would do very little and then expect tremendous applause and response <sighs> from my wife. Like, you've done so much, John. Pat on the back and, and tell everyone. And, and I was doing nothing. It's embarrassing how little I would do. But now it's like, you start to look at things as like, it's not just about me. It's about us. You're another human being with your whole life and your, your things you love, things you hate. So let's, let's do this. Let's, let's work as a team. And that's been another little miracle. Like, it's like I met my wife for the first time because I wasn't a great husband. And now it's almost like dating again, which is crazy. 14 years in. She's like, who is this guy? And I'm like, who's this lady? And we're like, oh, we do love each other. But let's, let's be good people to each other and love ourselves, love one another, love our kids. I think that's what everyone should try to strive for because it's worth it. This world's hard enough. You don't need chaos at home. You don't. Yeah. Dude, I, tell me about it. The world is so freaking chaotic. Our home should be just the safest mm-hmm. spot. Um, okay. When you have nothing to do, nothing going on and you're like, Oh shoot, we have nothing going on the next six hours. What are you going to do with your sons? What is the thing that you and your sons are like, ah, this is how we are going to spend some time together. Guy day. Guy day is the best. You get a window. Yeah, man. I've I've been loving like showing them stuff from the eighties that, that I was into Uh because they're, it's just hilarious. The things they say and respond to. Um, so watch old movies. We go to Dave and Buster's. I let him play some arcade games because I loved it when my dad did that with me when I was younger. Go outdoors. Um, the craziest thing is they want to hang out with you, when they're, especially mm. when they're little. And that's not always going to be that way. And it's a beautiful thing. So lately, the funniest stuff is... They're getting a little bit more to the age where we can talk about guy stuff and they have questions yeah. and these questions come up. And then I take great joy in explaining things to them the best way I can, keeping it PG, you know, yeah. and, and that's a fun role that's 
coming in, having boys is my wife going, Hey, you need to talk to this one about this thing. And I go, yes, plenty. I I'm a dude too. Lots of experience. Let me jump in there. And I think about things I was not told when I was young and things I wish Mm -hmm. I would have been, uh, aware of. And I go, how can I do this better? Because we're trying to prepare these young human beings to do better than us and navigate this Mm -hmm. world better. And it's a massive responsibility. And as we talked about last time, in my opinion, is the core, the family unit. It's everything. If, If it goes awry, society starts to go awry, everything does. So, yeah, it's it's an awesome responsibility. It's a good responsibility. It's a gift. And a lot of men don't realize it till it's too late. I, I was thinking about it today, hearing so many men go, I wasn't home enough. I, I was working all the time. Mm-hmm. I was never with these kids. And they're saying that because it's a blink of an eye. And when they start to yeah. get older and that testosterone goes down and those emotions start coming to the surface, they're not thinking about things they bought. They're not thinking about any of that. They're going, oh, we should have we should have traveled more together. We should have spent more time just doing anything together because they are you they're you and whoever the mom is they're a piece of you dude so gnarly bananas it's crazy so same question then you you and your spouse you have the whole evening together the kids are at the grandparents what are you going to go do creative fun enjoy being together kind of night we're, we're going to go out. We're going to go to a restaurant. We're going to talk to each other. That's one thing I failed too. that the whole never stop dating your spouse. I was like, okay, right. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you need some time together and that's a lot of it is you need to listen. That's what I found in my life. It's like, she has some stuff she needs to talk about and you need to really, really Listen, put your listening cap on. Don't be on your phone. Don't be deviating from it because that's, again, something that I am still working on is hearing what she has to say. And I used to just come at her and go, like, just tell me specifics. Like, I don't tell me to do this. I'll do that. Blah, blah, blah. But sometimes there's a lot to say. And you need to get it off your chest. You need to share these things. And those dates, it doesn't matter what it is. We could go surfing. We could we could do anything. It's really about getting the time to be adults and to talk about your kids. And it's it's important. Yeah. Love that. So when you guys go surfing together, how often do you do that? She she wishes more. I, I went twice already this morning. <laughs> I'm I'm still bad, bro. There's still a lot of selfishness. But a couple times a month now, it used to be a lot. That's kind of what drew us together to begin with. But um, I'm much much less selfish now. I give her waves. I say, you, no, you You're not snaking them? I'm not. I'm (laughs) not because I was bad, bad for many years. Oh, man, that's fun. When we talk about listening to our wives, um, you know, as you kind of said it, I'm thinking of all the times I'm like, just give me the facts. And then it kind of made me reflect on you saying that we give 20% at our shit jobs that we hate um, if we're there. So sometimes I think it's the same at a job. Just tell me what you want me to do so I can get it done. And we do the same thing in our home sometimes. So that leads me to believe maybe we're not given 100%. 
So with that, what are some, I don't want to call them tricks, but tools to listen better or what has helped you become a better listener? Man, that, that it, it's just the act of doing it. Like I literally yeah. have to say, listen, like listen with your ears. You're like self-talking yourself. Self-talking right? with my whole heart. Like yeah. you need mm-hmm. to sit down and not be distracted. And I think a huge part of it too that I've found is like all the entertainment options we have, all the news cycle, all that. I got to check out of that. And yeah, because that sure. stuff's in my head, just thinking about the dumbest stuff when really what I need to be focused on is right here in front of me. Um, so I don't have a, I don't have the, a trick. I, I have to do it. Like I have to do it. Well, it's the yeah. self-talk. It sounds like, so, yes. so you, you, you've changed your self-talk. It sounds like I have. And my, my response in the past would be to get angry. Like, we just put the kids to bed. I'm trying to watch TV. Why are you sitting down here talking to me while I'm trying to watch the show? You want me to stop the show? Okay. And then that turns into a fight. And it's like, yeah, yeah. bro, all you had to do was take 15 minutes to give to her and everything would be great. Like how many times do we we go, oh, I could have just said, not said that one word and we wouldn't oh, be in yeah. this crazy fiasco. So- I realized we think so differently. I've mm-hmm. always assumed other people thought like me, which is what an aloof fool. <laughs> and they, I, I literally every day I wake up, I'm like, other people don't think like you. They have different experiences, different lives, different. Da-da-da. So again, show some grace, be kind, give people a pass. You know, like I, I'm just more there right now because otherwise. I get aggro. I can get like, I don't even realize it, how intense I can sound, how loud I can be, how scary my face can look. And I think back to times with my kids, with my wife, and I'm embarrassed. I'm like, good God, man, get your act together. These are, these are the loves of your life. What are you doing here? Yeah. That self-talk is so important and, and getting control of it. So last thing, and I'll, I'll stop beating a dead horse, but how did you get control of that self-talk, right? Because we all say it. Like you say it out loud. I'm like, oh, I get it, John. Yeah, okay. I could, And then boom, I'm back to just getting pissed. How did you get control of that self-talk? I, I didn't. It's I'm a work in ah. progress. I did not. Yeah, Abs- every day is different. And I still, some days I wake up and I'm like, where is this coming from? You are full grump, like dark, yeah. not, not happy. And then you look around and you're like, I'm above ground. I have my health, I have my family. What am I to be mad about? So again, I guess I do use self-talk. I start listening to music. I start moving. I start walking. I sweat. And then I come back down and I go, good God, it's a great day to be alive. Oh man. Yeah, baby. Yep. Look where I am. Yes. Mm. That's it. Dudes forget that. That get out and sweat. Your whole mental it just changes. Um, dude, ah, I dig it. Okay. I got tacos where, what are the best tacos? Okay. Best tacos. What makes the best taco? I mean, you're in Southern California and that I know I could see it on your face. You're like, Oh my God, I don't even know where to start. So here, here we go. Okay. So it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, three in the afternoon. 
you just had an epic surf sesh with your wife. You guys are super stoked, getting out of the water, laughing. This was so fun. Oh my gosh, let's get tacos. Where's that going to be? There's so many places in San Diego that you could go. It's never the place that looks nice. I'll tell you that. It's a place that's, that's word of mouth, that's spread. But the best tacos I've got, and you can still get to this day, are in the worst neighborhoods you could ever imagine <laughs> in LA County. And I had a paramedic partner who spoke Spanish, who was six foot three, who was Latino. And he would take me in to these neighborhoods where there was an illegal taco stand and it's nighttime <laughs> and they have the horchata, you know, and the, elote, uh-huh. the elote, the corn, and you just roll up. And I wouldn't say, I go, hola, como esta? Like do my, the worst Spanish. They'd start laughing. He'd order for me. And I, for, I mean, for years I was, we would get down on these tacos and sometimes three in the morning, you know, sometimes they were in people's houses, the, the best. And these were immigrants that came over here that had the secret where you're like, if you could ever mass produce this, you would be billionaires. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Okay. So, and so, uh, what's your go-to meat for a taco? What's the perfect taco meat? Dude, you get all three, bro. You don't. You, you just get all. Try, you you get be, okay. the tiny ones. You get you get all three, or sometimes don't they have four? Sometimes you get them all, and you get the two. You get the red. You get the green sauce, and mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. I do the smorgasbord. But this did lead to something awful, and I'm going to share this with your with your listeners. Do you know what a fissure is? No. Oh boy, it's kind of like a hemorrhoid, but it's, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yes, I know yeah. F i s s u r e. I think it's, um, I had so much hot, hardcore food <laughs> for so long that I had to go to the doctor and I had to, I had to chill on it. I had to chill. Yeah. So be careful. That's my warning. It's <laughs> my warning. Oh my God. I go hard on the tacos. Like I go on the beers, bro. Same thing. It's all the same. Give me more. Give me more. Oh yeah. Yes. Tacos are the best. I love it. All right. So the last word, and then I'll ask my last question. The last word was authenticity. And I almost don't even feel, I mean, you could say what you think about the word, but as I think about the last, you know, 50 minutes of our conversation, I, and, I, and I think about you, I think about what you put out into the world, your transparency, I think your vulnerability too, to like put something out and, and see how it goes is even though you might say two years ago, it's like I was drinking and I was this and I was that but you've been on this pursuit of authenticity. And like, I, I think that you really exude that word of being yourself. And, and I would even say like on the discovery of ourselves, right? Which yeah. is really what's truly authentic is like, we're no dude, when we're 60, having this conversation, we'll be laughing. Like, dude, remember when we were 40 years old? Like what a couple of dumbasses. It's true. And I'm not, I'm not, I, somebody told me something. They're like, life really begins when you're 40. And that helped me as I was turning 40. And they weren't just saying it because you, your, your wisdom catches up with everything. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a hundred percent true, man. What was the, say the question one more time. I'm, I'm lost. No question. Yeah. I'm no lost. question. I was just saying just, the word authenticity. Yeah. There's no other, like there's big, no other way to be. Of you. I don't think, I think we're wasting our time in this world, especially on social media or at our jobs or in any interaction, whether it's talking to our parents, if there's, if you're still fortunate that they're alive, talking to our spouse, talking to our kids to not be authentic. And then to put on this, this mask when we go outside into the world and pretend to be this other person, 
Like I got news for you. If if you're an intuitive person, you pick up, you pick that up on people usually pretty quick, unless you're a sociopath. You go, oh, that's not, I'm not getting the real version of this individual. They're probably somebody different at work, different at home, different. I say cut that all out. Life is short. Mm. Be yourself. Be honest about your fears. I am drawn to authenticity. And, and even when it's people that completely disagree with me, have completely different um politics, different everything. I love them to death if they're authentic and they're not mm. evil people. They're not hurting anybody, but they're real. Be a real yeah. one. That is, to me, there's nothing sweeter because we meet so many fakes, especially in Southern California. I'm sure it's like this everywhere, uh, but people pretending to be something they're not, that when you meet an authentic individual, you feel a weight go off and you go, oh, I could be myself in front of this person. And then that's yeah. when the real good conversations happen. The good ideas happen because our world is infiltrated with fake. Yeah. Cut it. Cut the crap. Mm. What's my mom? Dude, well said. Well said, man. All right. Last question. I haven't asked this question, but since you've been on before and I've asked you my legacy question, I'll ask this. Your oldest son is nine, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's halfway through your house. So if we're to pause right now on a timeline and go, okay, from being born to today, he's nine. And if we think he's going to move out at 18, that means I have nine more years. I basically get the same amount of time that I've had one more time. When you think about yourself and him, whatever that moment looks like, whether you're dropping him off at college or he's leaving the house to go get his first apartment or he's going to trade school or whatever that is, that moment... What do you want that moment to look and feel like? And then what do you feel like needs to either happen today or over the next nine years to make that moment be what you want it to be? Well, I'm just going to play Rod Stewart's Forever Young a lot around the house. <laughs> That's going to be first and foremost. I, I, I love that song. I tear up when I hear that song because there's a line in it where he says, I'm hoping that I served you well. Saying, uh... I did I prepare you? to go out into this world, which is absolute chaos. And that's kind of what I'm doing as a father is slowly going, yeah, you have enough safety, enough comfort, but we also let you out. We're not helicoptering you. We're not around you. You're experiencing these little things. And he's slowly realizing that there's a whole big world out there. A lot of it's not safe. Some places are safe. And hopefully I have given him enough authenticity and realness that I can look at him and go, bro, you're so much further ahead than I was at 18. Mm. You're so sharp and you don't need this. You don't need that. You don't need this. You need to be yourself because you got it, buddy. Like I didn't have to do a lot. Like I was here. I modeled good behavior. You saw it. You saw me love your mom. You saw me love your brother. You saw me love my parents and this is what it is, buddy. We were all here for you to prepare you for life. And all you got to do is go out there, spread your wings. And I'm always here, dude. Like Mm. there's not a thing in the world that you can't say to me or talk to me about because I love you more than anything in the world. And that kid knows it. And because he knows it, he freaking flies. dude. Uh. That's it. Woof. Yeah. John, 
thank you, thank you, thank you for the man you are, the husband, the father, the friend, the influencer, the authentic man in each one of those categories, sharing your life so that other people can continue to discover who they are. So thank you for the work you do, and I thank you for the time to hang out with you today, my friend. Man, thank you. You you provide such a service making us think about this stuff. And I get emotional because of the joy, of the joy, of just like, Mm. what an opportunity, man. I get to be a Mm. dad. Like, (laughs) what? This goofball human who's made Mm. every mistake you can think of has an opportunity to take all the dumb stuff I did and learn from it and keep another human being away from certain things and to head a certain way and pray a lot (laughs) and know that it's going to be all right. Like this happened for a reason. I'm a dad for a reason. The people listening, you guys are all fathers for a reason. So be the best one you can be because there's Mm. absolutely nothing more important. It is the truth. It's the truth. And you don't get a lot of truth these days, but that's one I'll die on a hill on every time that children need their fathers in their lives. Yes. Oh, well said, bro. Oh man, I love our time together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. All right. You're the best. Thank you so much for everything. Everybody take care. Be safe. Dream big. Love all and act now. Do it now. Now, now, now. Yes, literally now. Take the headphones out. Do it now. Ah, so good. How can you not love this guy? He is funny and oh, so inspiring. Two quotes. The value of an idea is in its use and all the rewards are on the other side of fear. So powerful. And something John said, when I asked him for for a solution to fear, he said momentum. Momentum. Get up and keep moving. Powerful. Powerful. My friends, fellow fathers, every day is an opportunity for you to keep moving towards that man that you desire to be. Show up for your families well. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the new children's book coming out early 2023. You can go pre-order it at adventureoffatherhood.com. It is going to be legendary. Thank you for everybody who's already pre-ordered a copy. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Thank you.